Hey everyone, welcome back to the Control Room Podcast. I have a very special guest for you guys today. One of my closest friends, longtime friends, teammate, real life hooper, social media influencer, uh, my guy, Kayla Rouse. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, really excited to come in here and talk with you. I'm an avid listener, so it's nice to actually be on. Now, mate, we've been definitely been trying to connect for a long time. I know you and um, your beautiful wife, Stephanie, you guys have built a dope business together. Um, and you, you're a hard man to get in touch with, but I'm glad, you know, <laughs> thanks to this whole uh, pandemic, you know, crisis, life has slowed down for for a lot of people and we was able to connect at a perfect time when the when the Chicago Bulls last dance came out, man. Man, I you know what I've been looking forward to this for a minute. I was I was uh when they were talking about it, you know, being released, I mm-hmm. I, I just remember the um Michael Jordan to the max. I used to watch yes. that on, I used to watch that before every game, like in high school. <laughs> <laughs> like not even not even like joking i swear i watch that like every every time before a game so i was very pumped for this oh no the michael jordan to the max was huge that i my game didn't resemble michael jordan whatsoever but like in the intro where he's practicing the fadeaway like i would go to my backyard i would spin the ball to myself catch pivot and that's my little piece of playing like MJ was a fadeaway. So yeah, Michael Jordan to the max. That was the thing back in the day. Man, yeah. I, my game doesn't represent uh, MJ at all. But you know what? <laughs> I, I play basketball because of MJ. So there you go. Now, nah, man, I'm glad to have a, a, a real, real uh, Bulls fan with me. Um, I did the first episode with my guy, Romo, who's a Laker fan, who still, who still isn't over 91. So he was kind of <laughs> a bit. Uh, so I'm glad I got you know my teammate. And I was thinking about different people I wanted to do this uh, this series with. And I sat back and I said, you know what? Me and Caleb played together. We we met well. We met in junior high when we played against each other. But yeah. when we came to Aranafa, ninth grade through twelfth grade. We played together first year on the freshman team. Then we both made the jump to VAR. We were three years on varsity. And then a year at PCC together. You know, yeah. I probably, and then, of course, in Reg League after that, when we reconnected, I probably played with you more than anybody else once I thought about it. Man, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, that's seriously, I don't, I don't think I played like any type of organizational anything longer than anybody else. That's crazy when you think about that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Truly, you know, you guys used to kill us in junior high. My my, <laughs> my middle school was sorry. Uh, I kind of I kind of regret going there, but you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, man. Uh, so look, like I said, I wanted you on for this one. This is uh, episode number two of the Last Dance. Uh, Scotty Pippen is heavily featured. You used to rock number thirty three. Yeah. Uh, at high school, man. So they 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 jump off into Scotty's pretty disgruntled during the ninety seven season. Yeah. Um, but uh, Michael Jordan gives him a lot of credit. He said, I, I didn't win any of my championships without Scotty Pippen. Uh, he was the perfect uh, counterpart for, for MJ. Yep. And uh, I've got to say, as a kid, you know, I was all about MJ, so I didn't appreciate Scotty as much. But hearing Michael talk about Scotty uh, through an adult lens, I'm like, damn, he definitely brought a lot of value 
and really connected that team. So, like, what, what were your thoughts on Scotty as a kid and now as an adult? You know, as a kid, you know, I always, you know, really liked MJ, you know, and really appreciated his game because the way he dominated. But I also had a great appreciation for Scotty. I loved Scotty growing up as a player because not only was he kind of the counterpart, but he was dominant. Like yeah. when Scotty got the ball, you know, Scotty would do some things. So I, I always did appreciate him a lot. Um, I always thought that he overall, you know, basically Scotty just, he came into the NBA. I, I wouldn't say at the wrong time, but he came in and I feel like if he had played for any other team, he might, you know, I don't know that he'd be MJ, but he'd be, you know, somebody big. So I always did think that Scotty was a little underappreciated, mm-hmm. but you know, coming to now, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't understand all like the front office stuff, you know, like I wasn't yeah. really bought into all that. So like for me, it was just basketball yeah. and, you know, seeing this, you know, and, and kind of hearing more about the story and then looking it up more, it's crazy. You know, I, I can't believe, in a lot of ways, how Scotty was being treated. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, for Scotty, like you said, he's a pioneer. He was a point forward. You know, that's kind of, you know, I wouldn't say the standard in today's NBA, but it is the norm to have guys who are, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, even 7 feet like KD who can handle the rock. And uh, Scotty definitely brought a lot to the Bulls team and their championship. Uh, and I got to say, I didn't know anything about Scotty's history. I definitely didn't know anything about the front office stuff that was going on because me and you were both born in 86. So in like yeah. during the 98 season, we're 12. You know, yeah. I remember, <laughs> you know, I remember the Bulls kind of got off to a weird start because uh, Scotty wasn't there, but you know, I wasn't going, I wasn't doing a deep dive into the finances and Scotty's the 122nd paid player in the NBA. It was just like, okay, Scotty's hurt. Michael's going to have to carry a little bit more, but you understand that back in 91, Scotty signed a contract for seven years and he was advised not to sign a contract that long, but you find out that his brother was in a wheelchair. His father was in a wheelchair. He's from like central Arkansas. He grew up poor. So he was like, I can't walk away from this money and, you know, play hardball. And he ended up signing a a contract that was uh, terribly undervalued, uh, pretty quickly yeah man i it was crazy because his story that was the part that yeah it's hard you know you you see that he had you know 11 siblings and you know two people you know two people in his family in a wheelchair and i understand like you know like i you you look at you're like man scotty you were so dumb Mm -hmm. but you have to you know, empathize with him a little bit. And you're like, you know, he's providing for all these people that have no money. So you kind of understand it, but you're like, man, gosh, they really took advantage of him. Like I was mad when I was watching it. I was mad at the bulls. Yes. I, I'm mad at the bulls. I'm mad at his agents. Yes. Um, but and mad at Scotty in some ways. Cause I'm like, I hear he didn't listen to his agents. Right. And, and then I, I was doing some more reading up on the deal and it was like even worse, you know, it was like almost spread over eight years, the way that they structured it. And they were trying to save money in that season that he signed the deal. And they kind of forced him to sign a deal so that they could save this like dead money, 
So it was actually mm-hmm. like front loaded so that he would, he like made way less over the course of those years, which uh-huh. is crazy. Um, Cause they were trying to sign Tony Kukoc when he was in the midst of that deal. And they were out like 1.9 million or something. And, and uh, they, they didn't want to lose that money, so they had. They were like, "Hey, we'll give you this, you know, upfront, and then you sign with us." But yeah, it's, it was a bad deal. I felt bad for Scotty. Yeah, I, mean, I think we all felt for Scotty. Uh, the year MJ wasn't there, I looked it up. '94, uh, Scotty was third in MVP voting behind, <laughs> I believe, David Robinson and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, just a you bunch know, of so- trumps. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of like Scotty was definitely outperforming his contract. Mm-hmm. I get, I get the business side to where it's like, hey, you need to honor your contract. But also, if you're running an organization, Phil Jackson, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. are rare talents, and they're Man. producing at the highest level. So why you wouldn't want to make sure those guys are happy and you kind of keep that thing going as long as you possibly could? I'll never understand. They were so quick to Man. either try to trade Scotty in '96, or you know, they're 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 um, not even thinking about uh, trying to get the sixth ring in '98. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, focus on rebuilding. It's like, what is the rush to exactly dynasty? Like that blue. Yeah, it really. I was just, I, I hate that in general. Anyways, I hate when teams, it's like they try to blow something up before it needs to be blown up for like no reason. You know, as much as I, in a lot of ways, hate the Patriots. You know, them with like Tom Brady leaving. I, I just don't get it. You know, like why are you blowing up a thing that's obviously working? You know, the Bulls hadn't even not won a championship. You know, they <laughs> they had one back to back. It's not like you're on a slump, you right? Know? And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, we need to blow it up, trade Scottie Pippen. You know, basically the second best player in the NBA, yeah. and trade him away. And it just doesn't. I was just like, what are you guys doing? And it was selfish. Like, I just – Scotty, I can't imagine a Bulls – like, how you can't give that guy more money. I would want – like you said, I would want him to have more money to be happy and to want to play here for the rest of his career. I just don't get not pleasing the player. Well, that just shows you how different the NBA was back then. Um it was about the organizations. Like, they didn't cater to the players like they did today. Man. And there's some pluses and minuses with that. Like, yeah. you have Michael Jordan, you know, the most popular, uh, greatest athlete, you know, basically in the history of sports. And he's saying, I only want to play for Phil. And then you have Krause being like, he can go 82-0. He's gone. And then you, you have Michael being like, Sky Pippen's the greatest teammate I've ever had. And you're just like, yeah, we're just not going to pay him. And we're actually going to try and trade him, which creates all this turmoil. But I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and he had Isaiah Thomas on and was talking about the secret of basketball. And basically uh, what happens is, is when a team wins, you get the disease of me and people want more. They want more credit. They want more money. They want more accolades. So I think what happened was the Bulls just got the organization just got fat and greedy. They had won five championships. They were just like, all right, we've kind of established ourselves. We're a money-making juggernaut. We don't need to pay these guys. Let's get all these guys out of here, and let's just do it again without them. And, of course, that went horribly wrong, and the Bulls have never recovered. Exactly. And I think that that proves, you know, what, 
you know, what happens when you do that? I mean, it, it, it basically, you expose yourself to not, <laughs> you kind of, in a lot of ways, they put all their cards on the table to prove that they could do it without, you know, Scotty, without Phil and it just, you know, somebody else won, you know, <laughs> they haven't done anything since. And, you know, you have a disgruntled Scotty Pippen and Phil Jackson, you know, who went and won championships with the Lakers, you know, so proving that he's not like a one tied to Michael Jordan. Now he, whatever people's perspectives on whether or not he's tied to stars, it's hard to win a championship without stars. So you can't really say, you know, whatever you want about Phil Jackson, but he was a great coach. I, I just don't even understand why Krause would want to be able to get rid of Phil Jackson and Scotty Pippen. That just, that just sounds insane to me thinking about that in today, in today's NBA, like a team wanting to get rid of their star. Like, are you serious? Yeah. That's like golden state being like, all right, we're done with Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and clay Thompson. We're ready for the, the new breed. It's yes. like, excuse me. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's insane to me. I, I was just baffled by how they were, how they handled it. And I just, as a kid, I had no idea. No, we were clueless. I had no idea that there was this much drama behind the scenes. You know, I just, when you have something so good, I, I still, I still believe that they could have won another three after that. Like firmly, I'm not sure that they could have been unseated as it just knowing the competitor that Michael Jordan was, right. if they, you know, it just makes you wonder what they could have done if they had just not let ego get in the way. Yeah, I mean, Michael was basically campaigning. He's like, we deserve to defend our title until someone knocks us off. When somebody finally beats us, then okay, then we can start talking about a rebuild, but we're still winning. So that's, I'm totally with you on that. But I want to kind of move on to the, the second part of the episode where Mike talks about his family, where his competitive drive comes from. Me and you kind of both know this story. You know, he's cut from his high school team, used to play his brother Larry all the time in the backyard one-on-one. But I like how they went a little deeper, and Mike talked about seeking his father's approval. Yeah. You know, and his father kind of favoring Larry sometimes when it came to doing things around the house. Larry's a little older, a little bit more focused on, you know, he was like, Michael might might give you the wrong tool, and he's telling him to go back inside with his (laughs) mom. And, like, me and you both being being from families where – I'm sure we were competitive with our brothers. Like I have two other brothers. I know you're the middle child. Like, I mean, we, let's just speak on like what it's like being a boy and competing with your siblings. Yeah. Um, I, I did, you know, that part of the story, I think that was one of, if not my favorite part of that episode was just kind of hearing, you know, you don't often see somebody like Michael Jordan be vulnerable like that. Like he almost cried when he was talking about, his father and just wanting his approval of his dad. And you see that, you know, you saw just how much he wanted that. And it explains when he retired to play baseball more and, you know, like all of that. And so, you know, I really identify with that a lot. You know, I was, my brothers are not, you know, the Supreme athletes or anything um, that people might think, but Matt, my older brother was so competitive with me. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we had like I don't I still to this day I cannot play with him anymore because he is so intense when we play just like we're playing pickup soccer he's slide tackling me in the backyard <laughs> like if I go up for a layup he will push me you know like I it's to that point where he is that competitive like he doesn't have an off and on but as a kid you know 
I'm trying to prove that I'm as good as my older brother, you know? And yeah. so I was, I was going to put a, he, he sent me to the hospital before to get stitch it, you know, like wow. crazy stuff. And I just wanted to prove I was better than him. So I know that a lot of my competitiveness came from having to battle it out with my older brother. And luckily I was old enough and big enough to do that. Yeah. I mean, like for me, I'm significantly younger than my brothers. Uh, I have, you know, my oldest brother, Ben's 13 years older and then my brother, Chris, who's seven years older. So for me, I was always a little guy. I was always dismissed. I was always too young to do something. I was too young to play. And like in my mind, I always knew it was like when I get older, when I get bigger, like I'm going to beat them. Like, I can't wait to beat them. You know, I can't wait to yeah. be on their level because you want to earn their respect. You want them to look at you as an equal. And I know that always drove me. And I remember my sophomore year, I used to play one-on-one with my brother, uh, Ben, who was 28, every single day. And he used to just, when the game was close, because he was bigger, he used to body me up and then just <laughs> go to the hole and get left every single time. Back won, you down. <laughs> I won maybe like two games out of like, 50 to 100 games that summer. And I remember running down the court celebrating, you know, whenever I would, you know, get a win. Like those battles with your siblings really, really shape you. Yeah. And then we took that to school and we just want to murder everybody. Because, <laughs> you know, we can't beat our brothers, but we can beat them. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely identify with that part of the episode a great deal. Yeah, seriously. I don't know if I've ever even met your older brother, Ben, to be honest, maybe like once. But, yeah, he. Yeah, yeah, but Chris, you know Chris. And I know Chris. Chris, Chris is Chris, competitive. He, he was not taking it easy on his little bro. He was no. running through the bushes. He was doing all types of stuff. Yes, I feel like if I ran into Chris, he'd probably challenge me to one on one too. You know, right <laughs> on the spot. That's how Chris is, man. But you know that that created that competitiveness, you know, with you and yeah, I that that brother competition definitely fuels the fire 100 percent. and i didn't think i didn't realize how much of an impact that truly had on jordan i, I really enjoyed that part you know i love i love seeing him vulnerable like that and really yeah. expressing that i thought i thought that was really cool yeah man and then after that you know because the episode it jumps from different timelines so it jumps forward into jordan having to deal with his first real injury um he breaks his foot you know early on into his second season after winning rookie of the year and taking the league by storm. And then he, he secretly works out in North Carolina. He secretly starts, you know, playing pickup games behind the bulls back. And he's like worried about whether or not they even want him to come back. Cause he felt like they were kind of in tank mode, but he's able to basically impose his will. They had him on a little seven minute per half, restriction i'm like he was basically playing 14 minutes in a 48 minute game like that was crazy to me yeah and and still ended up leading them to the to the playoffs i mean yeah uh, like was any of that information new for you because like the seven minutes per half was new for me yeah i didn't i didn't know that part where he had to and knowing the competitor that he is you know having to sit there like i would have a hard enough thing like if i'm able to practice i feel like i should be able to go you know like I know that's for me. Like I, I don't like losing. I hate it. And I know for somebody as, you know, crazy and competitive as him, you know, when they compared him to, you know, Muhammad Ali and who is and the Babe, other? Babe Ruth and Babe Ruth as like a, you know, super personality that's, you know, in your fate, like 
that's saying something. If you get compared to Muhammad Ali, like, you know, that's the kind of competitor he is, you know? And so I know that if I, and I'm not even in that same zip code, am the type to not want to do that, man, that must have been suffering for him to have to sit there and then play seven minutes. And that, that was crazy that they took him out with 30 seconds left in that game. (laughs) And because the coach was going to lose his job. You know, Mike was like, come on, man, just put me in F those guys. He's like, Mike, they're going to fire me, dude. Like, I got to take him out. You know, that was crazy. And like they said, the doctor said it was a 90% chance everything would be fine, a 10% chance he can get hurt. And I get where the organization is coming from. They're like, we're not going to win a championship this year, Mike. You are like the future of the NBA. We're not going to risk it. But like you said, Mike is crazy competitive. <laughs> and he, went, he was like, we're going to make the playoffs every single year. And it led to that mat, that classic matchup with the, with the Boston Celtics, which was arguably their greatest team of all time yeah. uh, against Larry Bird. And obviously MJ went off 49 points, off. 63 in the second game. And like <laughs> a lot of like MJ critics would be like, well, they lost it anyway. Well, it was like, okay, it was his second year. He had played like 20 games and he's going against maybe one of the top five greatest teams of all time. And my takeaway from that is they had nothing but respect for MJ. They're shaking their head. Like they can't believe what this guy is doing. This is peak Larry Bird. You know, this is peak Boston Celtics. And they're like, there's nothing we can do to stop this kid. When he gets some help, it's going to be over. And obviously we know how that story ends. Yeah, seriously. I, that was, I love that part of the movie. I mean, part of the doc, because I'm just like, you see, and I feel like a lot of people have a lack of respect for the old NBA Yes, you know, like of the athleticism and I'm not truly bought into the idea that people weren't athletic. Like you see the things that MJ was doing. You see the things that other people were doing. Like these people weren't chumps, man. These were like, they said four out of the five of their starting five were hall of famers, you know, and he's out there torching these dudes for 63 points and they even know what's going on. Like they're sitting there like, I can't do anything. I'm going to the hall of fame and I can't guard this guy. Like this guy's basically a rookie still. He's only played yeah. like 18 games in the second year. He's like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. I was just laughing. Cause they're all like shaking their heads and they're just like, what do I do? What do you do? You foul him. He's just going to make all of it. You can't hack a shack. You know, you can't do anything to this guy. He's, he's just going <laughs> off. So yeah, I, that was another just like such a cool, you know, kind of his introduction. And yeah, it was wait till he gets people around him and he doesn't even need like four out of five hall of famers, you know, no. just give him a couple guys and he's going to, you know, he was in this losing culture. That yeah. was the other thing. That's the other thing. Okay, here we go. This is something I was talking about yesterday is the willingness. I mean, very few athletes can go into a situation that is a losing, you know, you losing as a culture is a hard thing to break. You know, yes. talk to the Cleveland Browns. Like, they cannot figure this out. And having a guy go in there and change it and stick with it and promise, like, I'm going to bring a championship here. And I have so much respect for the fact that he did it. And then he basically played his whole career there. You know, you could talk about the Wizards some other time. But yeah, he, yeah. He stuck in it. He had this. I said, you know, people just don't have that grit anymore. That like, I'm going to play. Like, I don't care if my foot's broken. I need to go out there and win games. I don't care if these fools are chumps. Like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win. And it doesn't matter. And like, you just don't see that in today's NBA or just in sports. 
I get it. I get why, you know, there's a lot more protection for athletes now, but I just love that about MJ. Just the fact that he would go out there and he gave it his all every game hurt or not hurt. Well, that's what Dean Smith said. You know, he said that, you know, he's one of the, I think it was Dean Smith or Roy Williams. Williams. He said that, you know, he could, he's one of the guys who could turn it on and off and he never freaking turned it off. Yeah. I love that. And he was playing in an exhibition game in Paris and (laughs) Pippen's not there and Dennis Rodman's there and it's like michael's putting on a show and it's like he does not care where he's playing he's going hard and like you said that's lost in today's culture today's culture is more about big business and making money and scotty pippen's story is part of the reason athletes are like that because they've seen athletes from the past being taken advantage of yeah so they kind of want to take the extra precaution to protect themselves but guys are making so much money now it's like you're good just go (laughs) there and like you yeah it was fine that that hundred million dollar contract like you're gonna make that work dog and you got the top trainers in the world they're remember they're they're not back then they wasn't flying private they were playing three games and four nights like it was it was way more physical so i I think what people don't respect about the past they need to keep in mind that the one those guys were more skilled because they weren't relying on their athleticism as much, but they are definitely underrating these guys' athleticism. I mean, if you look in today's game, one of the breakout players now is Luka Doncic or, or Jokic from Denver. Like, they're not yep. the most athletic guys in the world, but they're skilled and they're smart. And, you know, I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but the reason why LeBron is able to still do his thing, even though his athleticism is diminishing, is because of his mind. Yep. So. That's what it was more like in the 80s. It was more skill and mental. Now it's more athleticism. And, like, the, the greatest players have the best of both. And I think that's what Michael had. And Scotty as well. Yeah. They, you know, it's just – but that's, you know, that's how sports is. They evolve and they get better and things change. But, yeah, I uh, those guys were something else, man, and how they fought and how they battled. I mean, I'm surprised Scotty lasted as long as he did. I mean – to hear that, you know, knowing what his situation was and the fact that he only really threw a fit for one season, yeah. I'm kind of like, you know, I, I'm not mad at him. And I'm not mad at him for throwing the fit the way he did, honestly. you know, like, <laughs> And I'm a kind of person that's kind of, you know, on your contract. That's the kind of person yeah. I am. Yeah, and yeah. so I, the fact that I don't mind that he was acting like that, you know, like I don't blame him, you know. But it also sheds so much light. You know, I look at that. And I was actually immediately comparing that to what's going on with like the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And at first I'm like, Dak, man, just get your deal done. But looking at this Pippen thing, I understand, you know, the Cowboys are like, Hey, let's get, let's get Dak in here for five, six years. And Dak's like, hold up. I want to be up for another contract. So let's talk like four, three, something like that. And I understand it, you know, because of what can happen to these athletes. Scotty Pippen should not have been paid $2 million a year. Yeah, I you know you know me. We're actually we're both Cowboys fan. I don't mind a little cowboy talk. Yeah, Dak is like, uh, hey, remember me, the guy who was getting you in the playoffs as a yeah. rookie. You know, the guy who keeps his nose clean and does everything the right way. Yeah, you need to pay me. You need to take care yeah. of me. And organizations sometimes, man, they always talk about players' egos. No one has a bigger ego than the richest guy in the room, and that's the owner. Yep. And, you know, and sometimes the GMs as well, because they feel like they put the team together. So then they feel like they can, they can break it up. Like, I, like I will equate Krause to Belichick. Like you say, like 
he brings these people in, but then he undervalues them. Like you bring yeah. Phil in, he wins you championships, you don't want to pay him. You draft Scotty, you draft Horace Grant. I know they haven't talked about Horace Grant yet, but you undervalue these people as well. I'll never be able to wrap my mind around that. Um, but shoot, man, we're going to have to wrap things up. I know you're a busy guy, but I wanted to give you some space to share. I know you're doing some cool things. You're doing like uh, virtual Bible studies on Zoom. Do you want to share more about that kind of stuff? Yeah, man. Um, so Stephanie, my wife, Stephanie and I, you know, we run our social media uh, business uh, where we start, you know, we started our business on Instagram three years ago and it's uh, really taken off. And so we've gotten opportunities to do all kinds of things. You know, with COVID going on, you know, 25% of our business was travel. And so we haven't been able to travel uh, at all, but we had gone to Mexico this year. And we had some other things lined up. So there's always exciting things in the future. And so I'm, I'm, I'm currently working on doing that. And then right now, every Thursday night, we hold a virtual Bible study just on Zoom and having people in and just talking, you know, and talking through things. And, you know, we always have a all are welcome mentality. We don't, we're not trying to be judgmental. We're not trying to, you know, come as you are. And we're all trying to figure this out uh, kind of a thing. So that's kind of how we approach it. And then, um, yeah, man, we're just, we have some stuff going on with, uh, we have a online relationship course that we host that's done really well and clients have come through and had a lot of breakthrough. And so we're kind of working on relaunching that and, uh, yeah, getting our little TikTok thing going on, trying to figure all that out. I don't know if you mess with TikTok, but I don't know been, doing that. Yeah, that's, all, that's, that's beyond. That, that's been that's kind of been a, a surprise, you know, growing an audience there and trying to figure out uh, what to do with that audience, and it's such a younger thing. And so, um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's been really good. But that's some of the things we got going on. So uh, to find us, you know, uh, on Instagram is Stephanie. Uh, Rouse Stephanie dot or Stephanie period Rouse uh, is where it's at. And then I'm Caleb Jason Rouse on Instagram. And from there, you can kind of get connected with other things we have going on. So, yeah. Yeah, man. No, that's awesome. I mean, uh, you guys take prayer requests? Always. You know, I, I didn't I didn't prep you for this one. I actually have a prayer request I would like to put in. I got you. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Speaking of COVID, I found out last night that one of my former players, um, DQ, she actually came down uh, with the virus and was hospitalized, and, uh, and she's actually in an induced coma right now. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I just you know, um, it's kind of you know strange how everything works out having you on um, here today. So um, you know, if you would keep her in your in your prayers, and everybody can keep her in her in, her, in you guys' prayers, like I would appreciate. Yeah. And her name is DQ? Yeah, DQ. Okay. Yeah, I'll be uh, – I have a prayer journal. I jot down people's names and all that. So I will definitely put her in there and be praying for that and praying for you, doing big things with the Control Room podcast. I'm, uh, I'm happy I got to be, you know, a, uh, a member of the elite squad that you got <laughs> going on. But uh, this was awesome, man. Yeah, man, I really appreciate connecting with you. And shoot, man, I might be hitting you back real soon. Yeah, we're going to have to make that happen. All right, Caleb. Uh, talk to you. Talk to you later. Hope all is well with the family. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. All right. Peace.